are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. And, and why um, it was on my heart to create something like this, um, I think it would have to go back to maybe a couple of years ago when me and Kevin, we were in Atlanta and we went to this conference. Um, to be honest, I'm not sure why I went, and I don't know why Kevin came with me, uh, but we just went, and uh, it was just an amazing time, powerful time, one of those moments that really marked my life forever. And when I was there, I got a prophetic word, and one of it had to do with helping people in not just their God pursuit, but in their creative pursuit in their lives as well. So when that was spoken over me, at first, um, it didn't make sense to me because I, I wouldn't describe myself necessarily as a creative person. That wasn't how I would describe myself or anything like that. But since that word and, and in my own journey, I've come to realize that creativity isn't just for select few, but it's a birthright for all of us as children of God. So in that process of receiving that word and dreaming and, and thinking about what that could look like, it was on my heart to create a collective around just creativity. Now, I know there's like Bethel Music Collective that might be like the biggest collective in the Christian world today, but um, it's around music. And I thought, what would it look like to create something that's centered around not music or one avenue or one expression, but just creativity itself in this region? And if you think about New York City, um, I, I believe it's the greatest city in the world. Amen, right? If you don't agree... You're a traitor to our own region. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but this, I believe New York and, and this region, the tri-state, is, is the world's capital. Everything that happens in New York goes to the rest of the world. We see it in fashion and music and all these different things. But I feel like when it comes to faith and kingdom, there isn't an, an export that's happening in this area. right? If you think about that for a moment, New York City produces amazing artists and hip-hop and, and basketball. Uh, Rucker Park is like the mecca of basketball, MSG, Madison Square Garden, all these different things. But when it comes to faith and, and, and how God is moving, you don't necessarily think of New York or New Jersey or this area. And I, and I felt like it was time to, you know, in, in what I can do, create something where we bring people from all different backgrounds. And, and this being the first one, wanted to keep it small, kind of a beta. Um, if it fails, then, you know, this... You know, rest in peace, this thing, you know. <laughs> but if, if, if God is even bringing a select few together to go after creativity and what that looks like, I think we could do great things for the kingdom together. So the whole name is Create Collective, um, made a Create Co for short. Um, everything is up to be edited, so we'll see how it goes. But that's kind of the why behind it all. It was a prophetic word, a promise that this ministry of pursuit and, and my life I was supposed to help people in their creative pursuit after God, in the prophetic pursuit. And to be honest, I don't know how to do it or what that looks like, but even different promises I've received was about creating something new. And, and, and for the longest time, I try to brainstorm it on my own, try to come up with an idea of how to do it. And I realized it's not going to happen because, you know, Sam Juan is so uh, ingenious or so innovative, but it's going to be from the spirit of the Lord. And I think if God is on it, it could be the most simplest things. And if he breathes on it, it goes to the world. Now, at that same conference that Kevin and I uh, were at, um, 
House Fires was leading worship. I don't know if you guys know House Fires, but their most famous song was Good Good is probably Good Good Father. But Good Good Father is their most famous song. And, and by the time we were there, I was kind of sick of that song. You know, like it's a good song, but I've listened to it so much that I'm like, man, this song, oh man, like whatever. But as soon as they started leading and that's I was getting wrecked. And as I thought about it, just looking at that song and hearing that song objectively, I was like, man, this song is kind of corny, right? Like, good, good father. Like, you couldn't think of another adjective, so you just repeat it good. You know what I mean? Like, he's a good, good father. You couldn't think of anything better, but there was nothing great about it. But that song literally went all over the world. That song is sung in, in different languages, in, in, in China and in, in underground churches, all these different places. And it wasn't because there was a marketing machine behind it like Taylor Swift or um, Drake or, or any of these artists we see. There's no millions of dollars promoted to advertise or anything. It just simply God breathed on that song. And when God breathes on something, it goes to the four corners of the world. And I felt like that's the heart of creativity. It's, it's not about us trying to make the best thing, the greatest thing. I mean, there's excellence involved. But when God breathes on something, that's, that's how he'll use it. So the pressure isn't on us to come up with the next best thing or the next greatest thing, but, but just to be authentic in who we are as children of God and allow God to do the rest. So that was just kind of the birthplace of, of creativity. And, and I think this is kind of the, the sowing of the seeds, the beginning part of, of how we can do this together. Right, what it might look like, what it can look like together. And I believe it's um, just in community of people, of artists, not just musicians by themselves or, or, or um, you know, painters by themselves or whatever, but believers, family of God, creating together. So the first teaching I kind of want to focus on from, from that place is on creativity itself. I think oftentimes when we think about creativity, um, it, it's kind of synonymous with talent or passion, but I, I don't necessarily think that's the case. One definition of creativity is actually originality, individuality. So in, if we look at creativity in that sense, where it's not a talent or, or a passion, but originality, individuality, then every single one of us are creative. Amen? Right? It's not tied to what we can do or can't do. It's not about ability, but it's about being authentically you. But that's the birthplace of creativity, owning who you are as a child of God, as, as a man, as a woman, as someone who God has created. And it's in that place where creativity is. It's originality, individuality. You are uniquely creative because you are an original creation made in the image of God. Brennan Manning, he's an author, and this is what he writes about every single one of us. He writes, our very existence is one of the never-to-repeated ways God has chosen to express himself in space and time. I want to repeat that. Our very existence is one of the never-to-be-repeated ways God has chosen to express himself in space and time. I mean, let's think about that for a moment. There will never be another you. There will never be another you. I mean, if, if God is God and he creates everyone and created everything we see and, and things that we don't see, out of his heart, there was one unique expression and that was you. And regardless of what you do with your life or, or whatever that looks like, he has chosen to say, this is uniquely who you are. This is an expression of myself and that's my masterpiece. 
Let's think about even Leonardo da Vinci, one of the greatest artists, creatives the world has ever seen. And he has multiple masterpieces, but there's only one Mona Lisa. There's only one Last Supper. They're uniquely uh, pictures of who he is as a creator. In the same way, all of us were unique masterpieces that will never be repeated again. A, a, a sample, a, a picture, a portion of God's heart in, in, in human form. I mean, that's how amazing we are as the children of God, right? The imago Dei, like I don't like those Greek terms or Latin, I don't even Latin terms, but there's just something powerful of owning that first and from that place being, being creative. As a child of God, then creativity is a birthright. We get to create. We don't have to. We just get to. It's just naturally what happens as people. We just create all the time, Right? Creativity then isn't limited to your talents and abilities, but is part of your being. Any expression that is of you is creative. Any expression of just who you are is creative. We can all here sing the same exact song, but when you sing it yourself, it will be a unique expression of creativity because you sang it. Does that make sense? Right? So if we look at creativity in, in, in that frame, in that perspective, creativity is not a skill set but a mindset, right? Creativity isn't a skill set, but it's a mindset. What holds us back from being creative then isn't what we can do or can't do, but it's actually our beliefs. It's what we believe about ourselves. It's what we believe that we're not, right? Well, I'm not going to create because I'm not uh, as good as that person. Or if I can't make my painting look realistic or impressionistic or whatever those terms are, then I'm not even going to attempt it at all. But a lot of times that's just our limiting beliefs about ourselves and even what creativity looks like flowing out of us. But every single one of us, we are creative. I think that's the beginning place is we are creative because we're the child of God. It's our birthright. It's a mindset. It's a belief system. So therefore, the world isn't divided then between creatives and non-creatives because every single one of us are creative. The only difference we see then, like, I mean, obviously talent is important. You know, talent is a thing. Passion is a thing. But I think we got to leave that behind as the only marker of creativity, the only um, bar of creativity. And I think the only difference isn't talent or anything like that, but it's actually in expression, what we choose to express, how we express. And what determines that expression is desire and courage. And I think when we have that belief about ourselves, that we can be creative, that we get to be creative, that that's who we are, then, then a desire starts to form within us to go after it and courage to, to you know, take risks and do these different things. So desire and courage. And I think once, once we even understand that um, we are creative, that we get to create, uh, one of the greatest limitations of people in creating is actually wondering, you know, what if it isn't good? What if I believe this about myself, so I want to create, I do these different things, and what if it isn't good? I, I take a risk, right? I don't know if, if there's any NBA fans here, but Fergie, she's a, a famous celebrity, and I think it was last week she was singing the national anthem. I was going to get a clip, but I think it will be like, you know, we'll lose the spirit of God in this place. Um, but you can look it up later, but she's, she sang the national anthem in... In, in, in the strangest way possible. Like, I don't know what other description it is. And, and you know it's bad when you make a public statement and you apologize, right? Did you read her public statement? I, I took a risk. 
and I'm sorry. Like that's just because she's like, it, it didn't work. And and you see like NBA players, celebrities standing trying to honor the, this nation, but they start cracking up and all these different things. And, and I think that's kind of our fear. Then like, what if I take a risk? What if I have a desire? What if I step out in courage and and, and it just falls flat? And I think that's where we have to go to why we create that. Right? Why do we create in the first place? Um, the purpose and value of creativity is to simply create. You create to create, no other reason. The value is in simply creating. It's in creating. We create to honor God. We create to create. We create because that is who we are. And you know what? You might fail along the way. I mean, that's a reality. But that's part of the process of living out the fullness of who you are. Right? I, I preach. That's what I do. And I, I'll be honest, there'll be times where I, I've preached bad sermons, right? Believe it or not, and you're like, Pastor Sam preaching a bad, what? That's unheard of. You know why it's unheard of? Because if it's bad, I don't put it on the podcast. You know what I mean? Like, I, I delete the file. I make sure you know, people forget I ever said those things. But that's part of the journey. G.K. Chesterton says this, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. Right? Anything worth doing is worth doing badly. And that quote isn't about the, the effort, but the results. Because you know what? If you put in the effort, if you, if you try your best, you have a desire and you take a risk and courage, as long as you give it your all and, and are authentic to who you are, regardless of the results, if it's worth doing, you just do it. Right? A worship leader, not every worship leader is going to sound like Jesse the first time they pick up the guitar. You know, there's a process in learning and in finding your voice, finding your style, finding your, who you authentically are created to be. But if it's worth doing, it's worth doing badly. Not in terms of effort, but results. Let's not focus on the end result, but just create to create. Go in that process. It's a journey and one that I personally have been on myself. So like I shared, when, when I first um, got that prophetic word and even that, that call, that mission to help people in their creativity, I think the first temptation then is to disqualify myself because I know I'm not the most creative person or I'm not the most talented person. I'm not the most, you know, whatever you want to say. But I think in that journey of, of owning my own creativity, I felt like, man, I have something to offer because it's a journey, like I said. We're all in this together. So I think even for me, um, I've been in, in circumstances and situations where I would have an idea because right? I think creativity isn't just um, uh, centralized to arts, but even in thinking, creative thinking, creative ideas, creative problem solving. I mean, that's all part of creativity. Um, but I've, I've been in, in straight up situations where people told me, Sam, you're not creative. You know, leave that to creative people. Maybe you've been in situations like that yourself where, where you tried and someone put you down or, or said, well, let's leave that for people who really are creative. And all these different things try to stifle our creativity. But I think as I was forced to be in a place um, leading this ministry where I had to create because you know, there was no one else, a lot of the graphics and stuff like that, I've been creating it myself and, and just doing it, not because I thought I was the best, not because I thought I was the greatest, but I just someone just had to do it, so I started doing it. And as I did it, regardless of what other people thought, I think that's how I found my own style, my own um, eye for things. And, and people started saying, hey, who does the social media for pursuit? I'm like, wow, you think it's good? You know, like my ego started going up, you know. But, but in that process of just doing creativity, creating things because of no other reason than to create is how I learned what creativity looked like. Does that make sense? 
I think oftentimes because we're not willing to take that first step because of what other people might think, um, we, 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 we don't create at all. And for my journey, it's God had to kind of push me to a place where I had no other options than to create. And as I've done that and, and did these different things and, and just start, started being authentic in, in who I am and what I saw and what, what I liked and, and different things like that is how I learned to own my creativity. And I think oftentimes um, we need other voices around us to help us in that journey. I don't know if you've ever watched American Idol before, but William Hung, you guys know William Hung, right? Like, no one wants to be a William Hung type figure. I mean, he had like his 15 minutes of fame, but you don't want to be so oblivious where you go up to sing, you think you're the next, you know, um, I don't know who's a good singer, right? Usher or something, right? But then you blow it. Like, you want to have people who love you enough to be like, bro, you, you, you can't sing. You know what I mean? But I think part of that is happens in the context of community. Does that make sense? Like, not just in holding you back, but in even knowing that you are creative. So at my last church, I think that's when um, a lot of my, my own courage to create came from because I had people there who would speak creativity over me. And it was so helpful in my self-owning it. Because like I said, I never thought I was creative. And I had people there, leaders there who said, Sam, you're so creative. I'm like, really? I am? So yeah, even your sermons are creative. Your illustrations, your, your, your one-liners, you know, like these are part of creativity. And oftentimes we have our own blind spot because we are our own worst critic oftentimes. I think in community, in fellowship with other believers, we're able to not only sharpen one another, but even get good feedback, right? Have good community encouragement and all those different things. And, and um, another barrier to creativity, I think, is comparison and jealousy. And I think the reason why those are the biggest barriers is because they actually rob you from being yourself. Comparison only keeps you from being who you're meant to be. Jealousy is simply not being thankful for who you are. Like even when it comes to speaking, which I think is um, what I do the most and, and probably what opens the most doors for me, if I'm honest. But I know that I'm not the best speaker, you know? Like that, that's just the fact. You know, I, I watch, you know, big celebrity pastors and I'm like, I'm giving up. You know, like I, we could go into those mentalities but if I compare myself from, from jealous, then that just robs me from being me. And if I'm not me, it robs the people around me from what I have to offer. It only keeps you from being who you're meant to be. Here's a quote by Dr. Seuss, a, a true theologian and philosopher of, of the 20th century, right? He says, today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive that is more youer than you. It's so simple, it's, it's so innocent, but yet it's so profoundly true. And, and once again, we need everyone to step into who they really are, their authentic selves, their creative selves, their identity as sons and daughters of God, owning our birthright to create, because only then can we see revival. I think one of the reasons why I even wanted to do something like this and create something like this and even go after creativity is because I believe revival and creativity go hand in hand. I mean, throughout Scripture, whenever you see a move of God, God moving powerfully, the first thing we see is a new song and a new sound being released. You ever look at that in Scripture? Like God delivers the Egyptians. They, they walk through the Red Sea and, and, and Miriam just busts out in some song. And it's so amazing, so profound. God's like, man, I, I need that in my Bible, right? That song becomes part of the Word of God. 
We see that just even throughout where Elizabeth, she's pregnant with, with John the Baptist. She goes, visits her cousin Mary, who's pregnant with the Savior. And then what, what moves her? She's compelled, she's moved, and she sings a song. And once again, it's canonized into Scripture. There's something about God about to move or God moving that releases new creativity, new songs, new songs. And even as we opened up uh, today, it was the first mention of being filled with the Spirit. It was tied to creativity and creating arts and creating crafts. It's all about revival. And I think when we have artists and, and, and uh, creatives or, or whatever that looks like, however that manifests, whatever the, the expression looks like, when people own that, we see revival. I think if we're going to see revival, we need everyone to rise up into their roles in, in whatever that looks like. Because I think in this generation, the greatest preachers aren't necessarily the, the preachers, but the artists, the filmmakers, the photographers, whatever that looks like, the painters, the musicians. They're the ones who are going to show who God is. And I think that's part of revival. I, I think it's kind of sad, right, in, in the kingdom that when we think of Christian music, it, it, we got to like, you know, apologize that it's Christian music. You guys know what I'm talking about? We're never like, yo, check out this new song. It's like, check out this new Christian song. You know what I mean? Because we, we know it's not that level. Of ex- oh, there's Christian movies, right? Can I be honest? Like, I hate Star 99.1. You know, like, like I hate it so much. Like, I, I should edit this part out. But, um, but there's just... Like Christian music, Christian contemporary music, like not to bash it, but I feel like it has its own um, like sub subculture. Is that the right word? Where it's like this is just for us and and us only. But I think if we have something to really offer, it's it, it should impact the world, right? I mean, there's movies out there where it doesn't have to be a Christian movie, but God can speak to me through it. Amen. Right. It doesn't have to be a Christian song for, for God to speak to me. If, there are times when I listen to hip-hop before I preach, and I feel just as anointed. Is that like, like sacrilegious to say, right? But if I'm honest, that's what it is. There, there, there are songs that, you know, for example, John Mayer has wrote, because I think he's someone who's a broken person like myself. Right, is that you? All right, we can relate that. But, but I think because he's so in touch with humanity, there's some songs he writes that, that strikes things in my heart that a Christian song can't. And God can minister to me and speak to me in that place because God is fully human. Amen. I think that's the amazing thing about Jesus, where Jesus became a man. We all know that here. But imagine this. You're God. You're, 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 you're infinite. You're, you're all powerful. You're all knowing. You're all these different things. You lay that down to become a man. But when Jesus became a man, he chose to be a man forever. Let's think about that for a moment. I've used this illustration before where let's say there's a bunch of ants here. And I'm like, man, I have a heart for these ants. They need to know the truth. They need to know that they're created. And somehow God gives me the ability then to be an ant because the only way to save ants is to become an ant. I'm like, God, I'll do it. So I become an ant. I become the best ant preacher in the world and they all get saved, right? The distance between me becoming an ant is still nothing compared to God becoming man. But here's the thing, if I had to become an ant, the, 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 the price is I have to be an ant forever. Now, I don't know about that, then. you know what I mean? Like, maybe for the moment, for the glory, I'll do it, you know? Man, I gotta be an ant forever? But that's what Jesus did. He chose to be a man forever. I mean, obviously, he's fully God, fully man together at once. It's a mystery of the faith. 
but he took on humanity because there's something about us being fully human, fully authentic that reflects who God is. But God's glory shines best through broken vessels. And in that place, I think, um, is our, our, our privilege, our right to, to shine the light of God in creativity. And, and back to revival. If you look throughout um, history, the greatest work of arts were for the kingdom. I mean, they were commissioned by the church for the church. The Sistine Chapel. I mean, we mentioned um, Leonardo da Vinci, The Last Supper, uh, Handel's Messiah, so, uh, you know, Bach's uh, compositions of music and all these different things. But when we look at those work of arts, I mean, no one is like Sistine Chapel is amazing for Christian art. Like no one says that. Are you guys with me? Right? No one's like, the Last Supper is some good Christian art. But they're like, this is classical. This is a masterpiece that has endured for centuries. I think we need to recover that kind of mentality when it comes to creating. But we're not creating for a Christian subculture or just for believers, but for the world. I think in that place, it, it will be messy. It will be nitty gritty and all these different things. But like I said, I don't need to watch a Christian movie in order for God to speak to me. I don't need to uh, go out of my way to write a Christian story or, or paint a Christian painting for it to reflect the glory of God and for God to use it. Does that make sense? I think we just need to create to create. So these works of arts, these masterpieces, these uh, uh, church buildings that have, have become attract thousands of people to, to check out the work of art. I mean, a lot of these works and, and songs and, and even church buildings that were built so grandly and, 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 and extravagantly were for a purpose. It was to communicate what the greatness and the grandness of God looked like to illiterate people. That's what they were making it for, right? They're, they're creating these works of arts, these musics, creating these buildings to show just how separate God was from the mundane things of life. And how can you show that to uneducated, illiterate people? You got to do it with excellence. Does that make sense? You got to do it in a way where God is just so present in, in what I'm doing. And I think that's kind of uh, owning that mentality as we create as well. Because once again, I think that's part of revival. Part of revival. Things done in excellence will always bring glory to God. Things done in excellence will always bring glory to God. Once again, it's not about the result or the end product, but doing it in excellence is what brings glory to God. It says that it's our, our in, in Hebrews, it says it's impossible to please God apart from faith. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. So therefore, what pleases God the most then is faith. It's not the fruit. It's not the end result. It's not the product. It's what's done in faith. It's the faith to do it that brings Him glory. So we could even look at it in, in praying for the sick, for example, right? If I'm honest, I'm only pleased if, if I take a step in faith and I pray for someone who needs healing in faith and I'm only excited if they're actually healed. If they're not healed, if they say, man, it got worse. Say, I'm going to sue you. Like, why'd you touch me? I told you my arm was broken. Why'd you touch me? You know what I mean? Like, then I, I'm not pleased at all. But the amazing thing about God is that it's in, in faith that pleases him. The moment you decide to act in faith, God's already pleased, regardless of the result. In the same way, when we create, because it takes faith to create, amen? It takes faith to take ownership of some of these things. It takes faith to have a desire. It takes faith to act in courage, take a risk. And, and when we do that in faith, in excellence, it brings glory to God. And just doing it to, to, to do it, to create, to create. I want to close um, this time um, 
before we go into break from Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs 22, verse 29. It says, do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. And and I just want to close with this is that as we create, as we do things in excellence, ultimately it's to create to influence influencers, right? I think there's, um, it's really great to see even on like social media, for example, of, I mean, some of these pastors who are like hanging out with Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez and things like that. And I think there will always be haters, you know, like there are some pastors who, who went on to um, Oprah's like spiritual show. And there's all these like Christians like you're going to hell now, you know, like whatever, like Oprah's condemned and, and all these different things. And, and as I read it, I'm like, what's wrong with Christians? You know, I'm like, God, forgive all of us, you know. But I think there's something in that when you do it in excellence, when you serve with all that you are, if God opens doors, once again, that's not the goal, like to be with Oprah, you know what I mean? But when God opens doors, it's to serve in excellence because when we create, we're supposed to serve before kings. And I think when I saw someone like John Gray or Carlin's with Oprah, I don't see it as, man, what are they doing? But man, it's, it's the queens of Sheba that are flocking to the wisdom of God. People in this world who are, who are so amazed by what, what these believers are doing, where it captures their attention, where it piques their interest. Once again, the goal isn't to get them saved because, I mean, we can't get people saved. Does that make sense? If we want to see people saved and we go after, but we can't make anyone saved, but we can show who God is. And, and then even in that story of Queen of Sheba coming to King Solomon to see Israel, to see the kingdom, and, and she was so amazed. And this is her testament. She says, what I'm seeing now today is nothing compared to what I even heard. It it exceeds it so much more. What I heard was not even half of what I am seeing right now. And she goes on to say, your your God is a real God. And he has chosen you for such a purpose. And she sends all these blessings over, not because King Solomon was in lack, because that's what honor looks like. And I think that's what it looks like when we do things in excellence, whatever that looks like in your field, in your expression, or whatever that means is that when we go after in all that we are, is so that we can impact kings, impact influencers, change the world around us, so that we can see revival. Once again, I think the greatest preachers in this upcoming generation aren't those behind the pulpit, but maybe behind the camera, maybe in front of uh, the crowd in, in performance or um, serving them in, in whatever capacity that looks like. I think in that place, we, we see creativity thrive and pointing to a creator. Amen? Thank you for listening to PursuitCast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.